Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with Sunhouse. Born in 1902 in rural Baptist, Mississippi, House was called to be a preacher at the age of 15. But as he matured into adulthood, he developed an affinity for alcohol. It proved to be a strange mix of ideals. One evening while drinking and gambling with friends, Sun tried his hand at singing the blues and the die was cast. The preacher's booming voice filled the room. The bottleneck guitar answered and a bluesman was born. Sunhouse became the touring partner of Willie Brown and Charlie Patton, father of the Delta Blues. The three played all over the Mississippi Delta and influenced countless younger musicians, including Robert Johnson. Sunhouse became one of the most important figures of the folk revival in the 1960s. As one of the last living links to Patton and Johnson, he found himself surrounded by admirers and in demand on the festival and coffeehouse circuit. To an entire generation, Sunhouse was the blues. This is his story. You ain't got enough of nothing. I was mostly a church man. Brought up in the church and didn't believe in anything else but church. And it always made me mad to see a man with a guitar. Just wasn't brought up to it. I'd make a living by working in the cotton fields. I could plow, chop, and pick cotton. It got pretty critical. People kind of suffered a little during those years. Some places got along better than others, but stayed up against it mostly. Bad housing and all that kind of stuff. Just old common food. Those that grew crops, if they paid their debts for the food they ate, why, if they cleared 40 or $50 for a year, they were satisfied. I started playing guitar in 1928. I met a guy named Willie Wilson and another called Reuben Lacey. I came along to a little place they called Matson, a little below Clarksdale. It was on a Saturday, and these guys were sitting out in front of a place, and they were playing. I stopped because the people were all crowded around. This boy, Willie Wilson, had an old lady's snuff bottle on his finger, and he was zinging it. I said, Jesus, I like that. So I eases up close to look, and I see what he has on his finger. I said, I believe I want to play one of them things. So I bought an old piece of a guitar. I showed it to Willie Wilson. He said, you'll never learn this way. You need another string. He fixed it up, showed me a couple of chords. I got me an old bottle, cut my finger a couple of times trying to fix the thing like his. But finally, I started zinging too. I'd set up and concentrate on songs and then concentrate on rhyming words. I wasn't contented anywhere anymore. I was just ramblified, you know. 
especially after I started playing music. 1930, I met Willie Brown and Charlie Patton. Charlie Patton, he was living at a place they called Lula, Mississippi. I went up to Lula to see my aunt. I heard that's where Charlie Patton lived. I'd heard of him, heard a lot of his records, so I made myself acquainted with him. Charlie's manager came down on a little tour hunting talent. He told Charlie they wanted him to come up to Grafton, Wisconsin. That's where the Paramount Records Laboratory was. Well, Charlie had been recording for them, and he told them about me, and they said, bring him along with you and bring Willie Brown. There was a girl named Louise Johnson who came along with us, Charlie's girlfriend. After we left Memphis, Tennessee, on our way to Grafton, we stopped at a little place and bought some liquor. Her and him, we all drinking. Her and Charlie got in an argument. So she gets out of the front seat and come in the back where I was. That's when it went to happening. I get a snort, she get one, kept riding along. Charlie, he's mad. He's sitting in the front. I commenced to leaning over, talking trash to her. I say, I really kind of like you, gal. And we take another big swallow. So they have a little hotel there in Grafton where the musicians stay. The man come over while we getting our grips out and give everybody their keys. I said, where did he go? Because he didn't give me no key. Louis said, I got mine and your key. I said, "Uh uh-oh, that's it then. Me and her stayed together in our little room. Charlie didn't seem like he got mad. We went up there and made our recordings separately, except for Louise playing piano. We'd cheer her up by yelling to her and saying funny things. We'd hit a lick or two with the guitars just to give her more spirit. I recorded Clarksdale Moon, Mississippi County Farm, My Black Mama, and Preaching Blues. I got paid $40 for making those records. $40. It'd take me near about a whole year to make $40 in the cotton patch. Charlie, Willie, we didn't want to be stationary, to be obligated to anybody. We figured we could make it better without plowing so much. After that, we went on back to Charlie's. He had moved to a place they called Holly Ridge, Mississippi. We went all through the country playing, the three of us together. We'd get out, throw our guitars on our shoulders, and walk four or five miles. Yeah, the balls were rough in those days. You'd sure have to run before it was over. They'd start off good, you know. Everybody happy, dancing, and some guy would be outside selling his corn whiskey, and they'd be going backwards and forwards, getting them a bottle, and they'd start getting louder and louder. They'd holler back at you if the music was going up their alley. Yes! Say it again! Guys get off center, though, start to fighting and shooting off them old owl-headed pistols. Some folks call them lemon squeezers. I knew a lot of people to get killed. One guy got shot sitting right beside me. Call him Horse. Zeb Turner come in with one of them old owl head pistols. 
Zeb squeezed that thing with both hands, and the bullet jumped through Horse so quick he didn't realize anything happened. I said, Horse, ain't you shot? He said, Me? Nah. And he got up and went on into the kitchen. The lady selling stuff there said, Listen, if I give you your hat, will you get out of here before Zeb comes back and kills you sure? He said, All right. He had a black Stetson hat. He put it on, and she said, go out the back way. He went on out, stepped over the little fence. He fell stiff dead and didn't realize he was shot. I finally quit the business. Stopped fooling with those country balls. Of course, you couldn't make a living off that kind of money. So I went to driving a tractor for mine. Willie wouldn't make little crops. Charlie wouldn't do either one. He'd try to be slick. He'd take up with the white folks' cook. He'd fool them up and play to them like he was so in love with them, and she'd be toting them pans from the white folks' kitchen. It was just a little while after that Charlie Patton died. We got a telegram from Bertha. That was the girl said to be his wife. He was taken with the mumps, and they went down on him. It was long, about 1943, I moved to Rochester. I started working for the New York Central. I sent for Willie to come stay with me, but he never did long. Always wanted to go back to Mississippi. I went down on vacation, first time in 10 years. People down there had a party, drinks, barbecue. Halfway thought I'd see Charlie stepping through the cotton patch. A couple of weeks after I got back to Rochester, I got a telegram from his girl that Willie was dead. I said, well, sir, all my boys are gone. I just decided I wouldn't fool with playing anymore. I don't even know what I did with the guitar. I got a letter this morning, I do, ring it red. Say, hurry, hurry, the gal, you love is dead. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. 